Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, fantasy footballers, Dynasty League dirtballs, NFL draft fans, and DFS degenerates worldwide, this is the Roster Watch Podcast, presented by RosterWatch.com. Roster Watch Nation, prepare for pop, flash, and sizzle. Prepare for knowledge bombs and cockamamie business. The Roster Watch crew is here to deliver the goods you can't find anywhere else. Here is your host, RosterWatch.com Editor-in-Chief, Alex Dunlap. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, joined on this Waiver Wire Tuesday uh, edition of the podcast, and an edition where we'll review a little bit of week five, looking forward into week six. Uh, just a whole lot of NFL news and notes to get to, but first I'd like to ask you guys, uh, if you like the podcast, please make sure you are subscribed on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen. If you listen on iTunes, there's an easy way to rate and review the podcast. All you need to do is search for Roster Watch Podcast in your iTunes. You can do that right now as you're listening. So just as you're listening, look down, click Open your podcast app in there at the bottom right hand corner. You'll see a search icon. If you just go click on that search button, search for Roster Watch Podcast, click the Roster Watch Podcast when it auto populates. It'll take you to a page where you'll see some album artwork kind of on the bottom left hand side that says RW Maniacal NFL Analysis. It's, it's just the album art for the podcast. Click on that and it'll take you to the page where you just right then you click five stars, give us a quick review. We would certainly appreciate that. Also, another reminder all the content uh, that we talk about here you can find at rosterwatch.com with a pro subscription. That is the best way to support the podcast and all of our. Our maniacal uh, efforts to make sure that you are a winning fantasy football player. But so, with, with with that being said, Byron, it's another Tuesday on the waiver wire, and it's a, I mean, just a, a a big week of fallout from the NFL this week. It seems like this is going to be a really important one. Man, it's like a big trip to Walmart or Big Lots this week. It's <laughs> for a whole lot of bargain basement shopping. Yeah, but I mean, but yeah, but it's it's funny you say Walmart because it 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 does feel like there's a lot of volume there. Seventy five you know? <laughs> deep, seventy five waiver pickups deep this week. Seventy five waiver targets. I don't think you can find that anywhere else. Owners at this point of the season shouldn't recognize the draft the team they drafted any longer or much longer. And I'd just like to, um, I guess remind everybody that during the mid season grind, it's really hard to maintain the same level of enthusiasm in terms of your management every week that you began the season with. And we really just can't state the importance. We can't overstate the importance. Stay the course, man. You got to keep doing it. Uh, like that you, this is a, yeah. yeah. You got to keep dropping one to two players from the bottom ro- of your roster every single week and continue farming waiver wire gold. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at what happened, if you look at what happened last week at the very top of the waiver wire cheat sheet, he's not on the waiver wire cheat sheet this week, but he was at the top for the last few weeks. Alvin Kamara, 
you know, if you would have picked Alvin Kamara up and we, you know, a lot of Roster Watch Nation drafted him, if you would have picked him up when he was on the sheet in week two, week three, you would now be looking at a situation. Byron, let's just get into a couple of topics from around the NFL right now. Uh, fallout from the Adrian Peterson trade uh, to the Arizona Cardinals. Have you seen what the compensation was on that from Arizona to the Saints? I saw conditional draft picks, which usually means a couple of trash mans wooden so, nickels. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. I, I I figured they would just they would send him, you know, ship him off for a, a bag of peanuts at this point. But uh, fallout from the Adrian Peterson trade. I, I know Adrian Peterson is sub fifty percent owned in uh, fantasy leagues right now across the major services. So he is. I, I'm looking at him right now with this sliding on the waiver wire cheat sheet. We'll get to that portion. Um, whenever we get there, sort of where he's slotted in. But just your general overall thoughts. Chris Johnson now cut. Uh, the follow, what, what are your thoughts on both the now on the Cardinals side? I mean, is Adrian Peterson washed? Is that an offense that's just going to continue throwing the ball all the time? If so, can Adrian Peterson be used as any kind of receiver in that offense? And then also just for uh, – you know, the value of Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara there uh, left to now being just a two-headed backfield in New Orleans. You know, I'm skeptical, you know, but in a thrifty week on the waiver wire, you know, in the middle of the season where a lot of people have absorbed a ton of major injuries, taken some bad beats and are facing a buys right now, I mean, it's we're not going to go crazy and we're not going to overspend, but <laughs> I think there's a lot of teams that Adrian Peterson, you know, they have to at least consider as kind of a boom bust waiver wire pickup. I mean, we tell you, a lot of these guys, you're going to pick them up and you're going to drop them again. And it's a long season. This is a marathon. That's why we're always looking for value at the bottom of the sheet and why typically we're not recommending that you spend too much free agent budget on anybody's because you need your money uh, over the course of the season. So, you know, I think you have a little latitude, excuse me, on Peterson, but. If you need a boost or you're looking for a stash and you still have a bunch of money left, I, you know, it's a boom-bust play that's, uh, I think, got some upside. So, yeah, I mean. What is the upside for Adrian Peterson? I mean, I think the upside is getting most of the first and second down work if he comes in and looks good. That's going to take a few weeks for that to happen, if, if that happens, if he's able to separate. I mean, I think the upside is probably 15 touches a game and – I don't know maybe, who he has to separate from. Though. Maybe some of the <laughs> like, goal lines. Separate from who? Chris Johnson's gone like like Kerwin Williams and Elijah Penny? I, I think that Adrian Peterson, just by walking in the building, separates himself greatly from those guys. I mean, if he's any if 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 he is literally if he is literally sixty percent of what he was in like even like twenty fifteen. I think he walks in the building and automatically separates from those guys. My question is whether or not air like this just season seems like it is just down the tubes from the start. Like that offense doesn't have much. I mean, how quickly could an identity be formed that gets back to run? Like, I don't know. They've, they've completely abandoned the run. I just, I just wonder whether they can really recommit to it at this point or whether the, the toothpaste is out of the bottle there, and they just kind of, you know, go go through the rest of the season being this team that you know throw you know throws on every down. Well, that's why I threw fifteen touches out of there, and it makes you wonder. I mean, the situation. I mean, he definitely is probably the best running. You know, is the best running back in Arizona at this point, but it's still 
a little bit muddled. I mean, it's clearer than the situation in New Orleans, but there's still a lot of mouths to feed, and it's a weird Bruce Arians offense. I, you know, it makes me wonder how much input. I'm sure Adrian Peterson had some input on this, but I think the Saints were just ready to move on too. So, yeah, well, clearly, I mean, they'd even there'd even been reports that Sean Payton just one of the two guys. As an Alvin Kamara owner in a lot of spots, I'm very happy about it. I think Mark Ingram owners should be happy. Uh, clearly, you know, because I mean, if I'm being totally, you know, if, if you're being totally um, ob- objective about it, I think I think that this actually probably benefits Mark Ingram more than it benefits Alvin Kamara, you know, considering it seemed like Kamara kind of had his role anyway, and that when Adrian Peterson was getting in for his 8 to 15% of snaps, that was more cutting into... Um, Mark Ingram only getting uh, a 45% of snap compliment as opposed to the 60% of snap compliment he'll probably, you know, get right now to Alvin Kamara's 40% or so. So I think that I think the snaps that originally were going to Adrian Peterson clearly were usually early down work. And it seems like, well, the Saints have used Alvin Kamara more in every down work, you know, more on early downs than you would have really thought coming into the season. It's clear that the that the guy who physically is the better option for early down work is is Mark Ingram. So I think it probably benefits Ingram a little bit more, but I think it's a boon for both those guys. Man, I think it raises Ingram's floor, but I think it puts Kamara's ceiling, ceiling. Through, the, through the roof. Right. Yeah. So I mean, it helps help helps both those guys for sure. I think it helps Ingram more from a pure projectable volume standpoint, at least right off. Um. All right. Well, hey, man. I mean. Another guy that's been at the top of the cheat sheet for a long time. I'm surprised he's over 50% owned now, but I'm, I'm, I mean, he certainly would have been after this monster performance. Aaron Jones, just did you get to watch much of that game? What did you think? Yeah, he looked great. Good fit for the offense. Looked better than he did in the first game. I mean, this is the reason that we had tapped the brakes a little on Jamal Williams pre-draft and along the way because we always thought – that the sneaky play would might be Aaron Jones behind him. And we, look, look, I think more than anything, you know, first of all, Ty Montgomery owner is certainly disappointed. I'm glad that most of us have shipped him off from all the talk about that on these podcasts over the last three weeks. Um, I think he takes a major hit moving forward. But I think it's it just uh, certifies what we've always talked about, which is that the Packers are going to play five running backs every season. And this yeah. that's it. This is but three. Aaron this Jones, is three. They've had Ripkowski yeah. four. Aaron Jones looks great. I think he's going to play a lot. I think he's a good option while the other guys are injured. And you know, maybe you know he has maybe a pretty good role moving forward. But I that that situation in the long run is I, I I'm not sure it's real smart to try to figure that thing out for the next ten games. But right now he's the hot hand and he looks good. So if you picked him up. Congratulations! If he's still on your wire, he's going to be the you know very very high priority for you. He yeah, looks like he, a running back. I thought, you know, I mean, he's he got looks, a running back's he looks, body. He he looks fantastic. Yeah, he looks like a I mean, running he looks back. Really it's, good. It's, it's like at this point, I mean, what more you want to see from the guy? I think that I mean, and twenty touches, one hundred and thirty four yards. He had a touchdown, eighty eight percent of snaps, just in there like the. Mag- I just I think Montgomery owners have a problem moving forward. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I mean, do. I think we all agree on that, but I don't, I don't, I don't think this is predictable over the long run. I think Montgomery's going to play when he comes back, and you know, and Jones is still a rookie, looks really good. I think they've found, you know, their best running back. 
And like we've always said, Montgomery has the body of a wide receiver. wouldn't hold up. Aaron Jones has the body of a running back. It was pretty evident, you know, when he played. So, Yeah. And, and well, more about – I mean, more about Montgomery. Not so, I mean, he, he has a body that looks a little bit like it could be a running back body, but just the mentality of a wide receiver. You know, I think he's never, I think Montgomery looks like a wide receiver. He's got the weight, but he's just still kind of tall and slender. He's not thick. He's not. Stout. I don't know, but I, dude, I don't I, you, wait till you see him. Like, like because I was looking, I saw a couple shots of him on the sidelines from that Dallas game. He looks a lot, a lot, a lot thicker than I remember him being last year through his shoulders and through his chest. Yeah, but that's know. not it, where I want my running back to be thick. Right. I mean, it's I guess, nice. Yeah, I can, but that's yeah. not where I want him to be thick. Right. Um, Deshaun Watson. I mean, <laughs> golly, the fantasy's top quarterback, just like everybody predicted coming into Week Six. Um, just man, your thoughts on your thoughts on him and and that and, and that offense, because Houston next week is going to they they're playing they're going to face Cleveland. There's just been a terrific matchup for opposing quarterbacks, terrific matchup for opposing wide receivers. And I saw on let me, I'm going to pull it up right now on the millionaire maker for next week but i was looking at the quarterbacks and we have deshaun watson who is at 6700 and drew Brees at home versus detroit is 7200 aaron Rodgers going to minnesota is 7300 um deshaun watson is only 300 less than matt ryan who's going to be at home coming off by at the dome versus a miami defense that you know at least up until um, at least up until I guess this 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 last game, you know, had been a had been a terrific defense to target. I mean, your thought. I mean, obviously Deshaun Watson and a great. You know, just what are your thoughts on Deshaun Watson coming out of this week? And then, I mean, do you think he's do you think he's going to be really popular? Basically, in such a great matchup this week, and with how bananas he has gone, and the fact that people are. You know, know that they can stack him pretty easily with DeAndre Hopkins. What, what do you think about Deshaun Watson and the idea that he's getting priced up in DFS up here with the Drew Breeses at home and the Matt Ryans at home? I mean, Deshaun Watson is awesome. You know, we've been saying it for two years. It's a painful subject for me because that five-touchdown game three in the fourth quarter dealt me a lethal blow in one of my dearest fantasy leagues. God, that last – how in the hell did that last touchdown, that last thing – he threw that thing 60 yards. There's four defenders around. <laughs> that guy catches that damn thing at the goal line. You just you just can't – that play right there was it, man. That, that was very, very painful. But, man, truthfully, you know, we love Deshaun Watson. He's an awesome player. I do think it's changed the landscape of our weekly slates in DFS now because Frank uh, Hopkins has been brought back to life like Frankenstein. We said it. DeAndre Hopkins is sick with anybody other than Brock Osweiler. But – you know, we've been saying that we've been lauding the Deshaun Watson pick to the Texans for a while because he's such a good player. And look how he threw it up to Mike Williams in college. And he has no problem doing it. I mean, I think the pricing's right. It's a little bit risky, but I, it's going to be yes. It'll be a very popular play. I you think, think it's, it's going to be popular? You, you don't that's think a stack gonna... that's fully in play now moving forward. Uh, Watson... Look, I mean, you're a little goosey. You're going to roll him out, and he's going to shit the bed one week. But, I mean, dude, Watson, for, in terms of fantasy, is the, he's a real deal. And, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit more on the trade cast, among other things. You know, I said last week that he was a sell high. I'm not sure you could have found takers after one hot game. And, look, I think he's a legitimate QB1. We, he was at the top of the waiver wire cheat sheet the last few weeks because 
we think he was the rare waiver wire quarterback that could be your answer in season long. And it looks like that's definitely the case and that and way, way more, you know, but I, again, I think if you're a player who doesn't value the quarterback that much or have ended up with him as a second quarterback now, because he was had off the wire and you were a sharp player and picked him up. I think there's a pretty good trade market now for Deshaun Watson as well. So he's changed a lot, man. He's changed a lot. Good for the Houston Texans. Who? I mean, first of all, why did why did they even waste one game with with Tom Savage? I mean, what were they think? Did they not see this? That's Bill. I mean, o- it's Bill O'Brien. I'm not surprised. Bill o- yeah, and just I mean, who would have thought coming into Week Six, the Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins stack is going to be three hundred dollars more than the Drew Brees, Michael Thomas stack at home. I mean. I guess Michael Thomas is going to get Darius Slay, so that's a that's a little bit tough. But man, I don't. I just that's just that's crazy to me, man. Really, just unbelievable. Deshaun Watson's looked unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, he's looked like Mike Vick. He's got that I, golden. I t- he's it. got that golden touch, man. The one it's thing just, we always said, we've said it for two years, is he can make just filthy, precise NFL caliber throws. All these throws were on tape at Clemson. It was just, could he do it consistently? And then you have these NFL coaches who are so married to their NFL-style schemes, and they wonder, can this thing from Clemson translate? And then he has a little bit of the weak arm at the combine. You know, it was never his deep ball with the precision that was a problem. We saw that at the combine. It was the real power throws that you wondered if he had the drive and the velocity. But And I wondered about it his first game this year. It looked a little weak, but, man, I have he's playing with authority right now. And he's got everything you need, man good for the Houston Texans that's an exciting brand of football to watch right now I hope they keep him healthy and he continues to have a fruitful career and I think that another takeaway from that game I think that just based on the target volume alone I think that Will Fuller is just a warring sell high candidate if you can get anything for him in your leagues okay um here just a, a couple other quick things I just wanted to ask you about Jay Ajayi continues to look like shit I'm wondering if the just the Miami Dolphins are just going to be shitty this year um, on the back of Jay Cutler. I know you'll probably talk. I'm sure that you're going to talk about him in your trade cast, your solo trade cast. It'll come out on this podcast feed uh, tomorrow. And if you like that, please let us know by going and giving us a uh, rating and a review in iTunes, and, and let us know that you, that you like Byron taking the time to do that. I certainly en- enjoyed it last week. I'd appreciate uh, anybody else who enjoyed it letting us know there uh, in the ratings and reviews on iTunes. But I mean, what do you just? What do you think of? What do you think of a job? Do you think the Dolphins can turn this thing around? I mean, what are the Dolphins right now? Two and two? They just look like shit, dude. I, I know they know. are. I know I they are, I but I'm surprised. I, I, don't, I, I, I don't know what their record is. I don't know. I can it's look it up. It's better than you think it is. I'm such a, I'm such a player-centric like <laughs> fantasy player and stuff. I usually don't know what the hell anybody. The landscape of the NFL. I always try to make sure and go back and look at the standings once a week just to kind of reset button on the true right, landscape. Right. Because right, that makes a see. difference. That makes a difference. AFC standings. Let me just pull it up. And it's tight in the AFC East. I can't believe it. They're two and two. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Two and two with JHI getting 27 touches. I just think that when you look at it on the long perspective, if he stays healthy and he gets volume, there's no way at the end of the season the totals aren't going to be at least respectable, which means there has to be a wave that's going to come somewhere here. 
His the backups the other, suck. The, the other team they beat was the was the Chargers in their in their first week. God, the Chargers. You know, I and the O line coach getting fired. Hopefully, that's good for the team. I don't know. I just think there's nowhere but up to go. And with that kind of volume, you, I mean. And at this point, I it's we'll talk about it way more. I don't want to give too much away, but I mean, we've got some really good examples of ways that you can move move in on JGI right now. And I just think that it's gotten to the point where it's such a buy low. Don't what's you know really what's the risk? I um one thing about JGI that that I'll just say is that Ezekiel Elliott and Le'Veon Bell and uh, JGI are the three players who have above, I think, above 87% market share of their team's touches out of the backfield. Um, you know, that's that's even higher than a guy like Todd Gurley that's getting massive usage right now. So while Jay Ajayi hasn't been producing in the ways that we'd like, it's not like they have any other options. And they really want to use him, as Byron said. they re- You know, if you've been around there, you know. They want to they use the Michael Jordan doctrine on him and, and get him the football just as much as they can not take him off the field so uh, just you know something to something to keep in mind as far as his usage within that system there there really isn't well, anybody to take snaps and, away and and let me say this because this actually brings up a couple of good topics you know the first is that because of what was that hurricane Irma and the Dolphins missed week one see it feels like we're real far into the season already and that it's just JHI's just been bad and starting to look like it's just maybe the writing's on the wall. We got a huge sample here. You can't forget he's really just finished his first quarter of the season. And you also you, can't forget you also can't forget that he doesn't have a buy. It's the well, same thing about that, those Tampa Bay get guys. Whenever you that, think about that, buying on him right now. That was the second topic I was about oh, to get to. But okay. uh what was I gonna say? Oh, but if you go back to our preseason analytics, all of the technology that was baked into the draft cheat sheet we jay Ajay, based on volume should have been a a first round pick a late first round pick this year but because of because we knew from our preseason analytics that the, his first quarter schedule his strength of schedule to begin the season and getting a fast start is so important at roster watch was one of the worst possible for a running back. So we bumped him down to where we weren't taking him until the second round. So that's coming to roost a little bit. It's just, you know, it feels like we're way far into this thing with Ajay, but really he just finished his first quarter of the regular season. That's what the preseason strength of schedule analytics were completely based on. It told us it was going to be horrible. So now you've got a schedule that should be trending positive. You got a team that's 2-2. Two and two. You got a guy getting 27 touches with no running backs behind him i mean maybe it's not gonna work out but i mean i sure think it's it's worth a long look i mean it doesn't get much cheaper than this we'll talk about it in depth tomorrow and then yeah alex brings up the other one of the other dimensions of that conversation is uh you know the fact that these dolphins and these bucks their players don't have buys the rest of the week um that's got some value to it we'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow as well all right, and just a couple other things. Um, I, you know, just when I was looking here on DraftKings, I also noticed, um, you know, Derek Carr back next week. I put out a I – I, I tried this morning, and this might be – I'm sure you'll probably address this guy on the, on the trade cast tomorrow. But 
I put out a trade this morning. I tried to trade away Jamison Crowder for Amari Cooper, who has been absolutely terrible with uh, Derek Carr coming back. I'm just looking at the game logs over the course of the last three games. Amari Cooper, I mean, Amari Cooper in the last three games has had 23 yards total. Amari Cooper in the last four games has had 56 yards total. I mean, this has been absolutely pathetic with, uh, you know, with Amari Cooper. And I was just seeing how low I could buy on him. You look at him on DraftKings, he is only 5,000 this this upcoming week. I wonder if people are going to go, I wonder if that's going to start to be a trendy kind of, uh, you know, budget option there with with Derek Carr coming back and maybe uh, going against the Los Angeles Chargers. We'll, we'll have to we'll have to wait to see what our uh, what our analytics say about you know. I forget. We we we'll just have to look back and see how they've handled them. Whether it's Casey Hayward was usually on uh, Crabtree or Amari Cooper, whether they even shadowed or whatever. But the fact is, the wide receiver on one side of the field versus those uh, versus those Chargers is going to have the ability to at least get a little bit free. I want. What do you think about Amari Cooper? Do you think that at five K, just at first glance, I know it's super early in the week, but at first glance, is that a little bit in, intriguing to you? Or do you are you, are you just hands off until you see something from? I the mean. Guy? I think that all season long in DFS, we've been picking guys that cost less than 5000 that have been outperforming Amari Cooper or outperforming even what I might expect from Amari Cooper this week. In season long, I mean, if you can get him that cheap, he's in the what do you have to lose category of buy lows. So, I mean, yeah, we'll talk about it more tomorrow. But, I mean, I think... On the other hand, I'm not sure anybody's gonna. Any of his owners are gonna sell him that low. I wouldn't take. I wouldn't sell him for Jameis Jameson Crowder. All right, two more just quick things, and then we'll get to the the waiver wire talk. Leonard Fournette, holy shit, is he is he even outperforming your expectations, or is this exactly what you expected? This is what I expected, but it's happening earlier than I expected it. So because it's happening during a stretch of his season that was supposed to be really tough to start, we said, "Man, like hopefully, what the move all along was going to be, let's buy on Leonard Fournette after you know, like around week five, you know, around week five. Let's see if we can buy low on him." And the opportunity hasn't presented itself because he's clearly not a buy low. If anything, he's a sell high at this point. Well, there's a couple things at play here. I mean, first of all, the Allen Robinson injury was a boon for Leonard Fournette and his owners. Cam Robinson is a beast at left tackle for the Jaguars, and that that line is better, definitely better than expected. I mean, Linder was the guy that got the big contract last year, the Gabe Jackson-style contract. Um, they have Who do they have? Ronald Leary over there. I mean, that line is... That line is shaping up, and look, it's just a reminder, too, that when these teams draft a running back in the top five like that or maybe even the top ten, it's a, it just doesn't matter who else they've signed in free agency and paid money to and who else <laughs> is back doesn't. there. They're going to play yeah. that guy, and, when, and, and it's just a reminder that, dude, Leonard Fournette, we've been telling you guys for three years, he's just that much better. Ye- Yeldon is a health, in it, healthy scratch every week. And Leonard Fournette is just that much better than a Chris Ivory could ever dream of being. He's, you know, so I'm having fun watching it. We've met Leonard Fournette on multiple occasions. He's an absolute gentleman. And we have, 
high hopes, respect, and just great gratification seeing the success that he's having in his career. We just hope that he stays healthy. It's going to be the this could be the battle of the beasts next week as the two of the most golden two of the basically the two most golden running back sons of all of roster watch nation Todd Gurley the Lamborghini faces off against Leonard Fournette the man child the beast the porterhouse steak Byron what the hell I mean here's the here here's the thing about Jacksonville you can you can run on them despite the fact that Tomlin and and the Steelers had the most idiotic game plan that I have ever seen with how to attack these guys well, you know, not 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 using Le'Veon Bell more. Whenever these guys are, you know, giving up five point—I forgot what it was—five point six yards per carry to opposing runners coming into that game, and they force feed it to everybody else on the perimeters of that defense, where they're going to kill you. And of course, Big Ben goes on to throw five picks in the, his worst game of his uh, career as they, you know, abandon the inside run game in Le'Veon Bell. Um, but but regardless, we know that's that's an that's a de- that's a defense that is hard to throw on, but one that's easy to run on. What the hell happened with getting away from Gurley last week and all this Tavon Austin? I mean, do you think that McVeigh, since he's a guy who actually per- we know he purchases analytics, we know that he's a guy who um, who 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 game plans in ways that you know we actually understand that aren't ridiculous and based on I don't even know what Mike Tomlin even bases his bases his play calling on outside of random pure aggression, you know, and reactionary force. But McVay is a guy who seems who seemingly he will you know actually maybe come in there and try to attack Jacksonville where they can be attacked with his best weapon. Are you worried at all about Todd Gurley's usage after that? Whatever the hell that was, um, and what should have been a on paper a pretty good matchup at home as a home favorite versus uh, a Seattle Seahawks uh, front seven that you know according to according to a lot of the trends and according to a lot of our analytics is is not as strong now as as it you know as many may be remembering it. Man, I'm hard-pressed to think of any worse play calling than we saw last night out of John Fox and Dow Loggins. <laughs> um, oh, as yeah. far as Gurley, I mean, we told you the first touchdown dependency reports of the, came out, of the year came out uh, last week, and we went over them with you guys. And the cool thing about those is the, the genesis of those was because we want to track touchdown dependency. It's a unique stat that we created, I don't know, six or seven years ago, and we find it important, but... Over the years, we've added to the report a ton of other metrics so that we can just get a general overview and landscape of the top 200 players in fantasy every week um, of the season. And, you know, what we told you last week is that Todd Gurley was averaging an astonishing 26.5 touches per game. I, so I think in the short term, I'm I'm not surprised that we saw a regression here maybe even a rather large short-term one there for a game or two. I mean, Gurley's not going to average, I don't think, 27 touches of the game in the rest of the year. But I don't think it's going to go down much, you know. This is what happens. And, and look, I agree. I know every, I know all the analytics show Seattle's, you know, a step back on the run defense. But I'm, I'm, I'm always a little hesitant to think that they're a good matchup. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get player. it because there's a lot of ways that the game script can go off if they rattle a Jared Goff. I mean, especially against a rookie, that's a good defense. You know, I was saying, you know, one of the most important things we need to think of with these plays, whether they're DFS or whether they're in our lineups, is what you know what can go wrong. You know, and just it just seems like with going against Seattle with a rookie quarterback, there's a lot that can go wrong. That even if it doesn't, 
you know, not necessarily, you know, and you can say, well, it doesn't matter because Gurley's game script proof, even if Seattle goes way up because now he's being used so much in the passing game. It's like if the whole offense gets thrown off, the play calling gets thrown off, nothing's gonna good going to come out of it. And there's a, always a chance that can happen versus the Seahawks. A bad game script can ruin any fantasy player on any Sunday. By the way, I'm, I'm starting to like thinking of calling Leonard Fournette the big ham bone. The big ham bone. That's fine. We've kind of been calling him that the whole time, the porterhouse or the ham bone. Hey, and then just one last thing. I wasn't even going to ask you about this, but since I talked about the Steelers and Mike Mike Tomlin's, uh, you know, play calling via random ag- aggression, like, do you think that Big Ben's done? He looks like shit. I'm starting to think you just wanted to call a friend to talk football today. <laughs> Maybe so. You know Big Ben, the drama queen. He's already come out today and said he thinks he still thinks he's one of the best quarterbacks in all of football. He's maniacal. He's diabolical. He's got a huge, ugly head. And <laughs> he's going to start rearing it again. What's he going to do? They're going to start. The thing with Big Ben, look, I will say you wonder a little bit if the – I mean, Martavis Bryant's getting the targets, but Juju Smith-Schuster getting the production. So it makes you wonder if it's starting to turn into a little bit more of a pee arm there in Pittsburgh but I mean the in the end you do the reverse mathematics you reverse engineer it and you say okay Antonio Brown the best wide receiver in football Le'Veon Bell the best catch catch you know pass catching foot uh, running back in football Martavis Bryant Juju Smith-Schuster like unless he's totally fallen off the cliff there should be some production but yeah I mean you got, you're definitely a little bit nervous you know but I think it's been being a little bit of a drama queen that's the first one I have lined up to as I get started today with the red zone or the end zone and goal line targets report, which will be out Thursday for all of our uh, all of our pro subscribers at rosterwatch.com. Okay, we're about to get to the waiver wire segment, but just a reminder, if you're not a pro member at rosterwatch.com, please go there. Get a pro membership. It costs less than a cheap cup of coffee. Uh, all of this content is sponsored by, you know, created by, owned by our um, our awesome community at rosterwatch.com it's because of their support you know it's at, at, at such a cheap price um, that we're very thankful for that allows us to do all of our off-season travel bring you this exclusive content in an unfiltered unfettered uncensored way please go to rosterwatch.com uh, support myself support byron lambert support the trash man the robot genius get a pro membership at rosterwatch.com and please uh, give the podcast a five-star rating and a review at one of these upcoming pods, we're going to give away uh, some free pro memberships for the guys who have been uh, helping us out with, with those re- reviews. All right. So with that housekeeping being done, let's get to the waiver wire cheat sheet, Byron. Like, what'd you think of the makeup this week? I thought it looked like a trip into Walmart. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We said that already. All right. So let's just start out at the, let's uh, start out with kind of the, this running back tier that's at the very top, um, uh, a mix of three that I think could be really interchanged in any kind of way to come to the website to see how Byron has them. But all guys that we don't think you need to be spending more than 25% of your budget on in um, Elijah McGuire, Wayne Gallman, Jarek McKinnon. McKinnon looked, you know, looked great last night. We know Latavius Murray sucks and we hate him. And, we, t- you know, we told people that, you know, he is, you know, that's n- – you know, the the handcuff to Dalvin Cook in Minnesota is going to have to be something that we'll need to see out of Jarek McKinnon to think there's even one worth a shit. He looked like against versus the shitty Bears defense. He looks like he's, you know, 
May, like I, I tweeted the gif of the Garrett uh, McKinney truthers last night <laughs> rising up out, out of their long-awaited uh, graves, you know, to, to come out of the woodworks again. But Jared McKinnon, a spark freak, a guy who has always had all the measurables, but has just, you know, never been able to do anything and has burned uh, prospective fantasy owners over and over and over again, a la uh, fellow spark freak Kristen Michael. Um, what do you think, Byron? Well, if you go back to look at last week's waiver wire cheat sheet, we had it tilted so that you were far less likely to get Latavius Murray and far more likely to get Jarek McKinnon. And after last night's performance and, you know, some of the history uh, with McKinnon, you can extrapolate out that maybe this is this is the time and maybe things are coming together. And, you know, he certainly makes it towards the top of the sheet uh, this week, you know, Kind of my perspective on it is maybe that's going to happen, but I probably know what Jarek McKinnon is now, so I just feel a little more excited about taking a chance on a guy that maybe has something in store for me, maybe a little bit of a wild card. But, you know, certainly, I mean, I think McKinnon, if you need to play right now, is part of the reason he's at the very top of the sheet. One of the players I've been most surprised by, and I've talked about it on the SiriusXM show, I've talked about it here on this podcast, I feel like we did not do, and, and it, it, it comes down to me as, um, as editor-in-chief at the site, you know, that we didn't dedicate enough uh, time or resources to Elijah McGuire. Um, with Bilal Powell going down in this game, Elijah McGuire, you know, didn't, didn't get... Didn't get too much done himself, but did see 68% of the snaps. There, you know, I'll have to watch this one back more closely. I do know that last week, um, I was really, you know, really kind of impressed by just a couple a couple things I saw from him attribute wise. I know now we're hearing buzz coming out of the New York Jets camp that he's a guy that they've been wanting to get more and more involved as things stand. You know, Matt Forte. His status for the coming week is still up in the air. That's something we'll certainly follow. But I tend to think that he's a guy who's going to come back and not have – he's going to have a diminished role anyway, and he's probably going to get hurt again eventually anyway. Um, I find Elijah McGuire to be in, intriguing, and he was a guy that was high enough on the waiver wire cheat sheet that I tried to get him last week and was, and was un, un, unable to get him with my waiver priority and with the free agent budget I was able to put in. Uh, in those two separate type of settings. Uh, what are you thinking of him this week? You, do, do you like Elijah Maguire more this week than you did last week? I think you probably do based on his slotting. Man, I just have so much joy from the success of Roster Watch Nation. It's, it's, <laughs> it's cool to hear about people having picked up those guys and not, not really knowing what they had on their hands and then all of a sudden possibly having a real budding fantasy asset on their hands that they're going to be able to do something with here down the stretch. I don't know if I like Elijah McGuire more than I did last week just because the production wasn't really there in a good matchup. And with Bilal Powell going down this week, I was hoping for a little bit more. But, yeah, I think moving forward, if you look at it, and you might have Powell out and you have a diminished forte or a forte that's mostly out. And if he's going to get the opportunities, you know, and it's a good matchup with New England this week. You saw what Doug Martin did last week, so... I think Elijah McGuire is like a super solid waiver wire pickup. He was last week, and um, a lot of you guys got him then, and he continues to be this week. 
Wayne Gallman, uh, he that game with the New York Giants, that team is just. I, I mean, I, I'm thinking that his slotting at the basically the top perch of the cheat sheet this week has more to do with the fact that you know that team is that's it that's the New York Giants team is now a team with the loss of Odell Beckham. The uh, it seems like the at least for the imminent future, the loss of. Brandon Marshall, uh, Sterling Shepard seems like he's the guy that's closest to returning. I think they even lost Dwayne. Was it Dwayne Harris? It looks like he's lost for the season. Um, so I mean, on a team where now you know your weapons are like Orleans Darkwa and Roger Lewis and Shane Vereen and you know Evan Ingram, who gets a huge, a huge uh, boost here, and you know Red Ellison and guys like that. It seems like Wayne Gallman's going to have to step up. And assume at least a, I mean, especially in the absence of Paul Perkins. Here's the fact of the matter: Paul Perkins at this point looks bad, and I think even the Giants realize that he looks bad. And I think even the Giants realize they needed to do more in the offseason or in the draft to address the running back position. I think they look at Wayne Gallman, and they, even though we didn't really see that as very much of a way of addressing the running back situation, I don't even think that they saw it as a way of completely addressing their running back situation, I think they could point at it now and say, look, we, we weren't donks. We addressed the running back situation with Wayne Gallman. Let's, let's, let's see if we can get him going. And so as far as the, you know, and at this, and at this point, they're, they're, they're 0-4, right? They lost to the Chargers, right, in that must-win game? They're 0-5, man. 0-5, I'm sorry. I mean, it's so, time for them to start literally Trying doing... these guys out, like trying <laughs> these guys out. Like what are the even, you know? Yeah, so I think that I think that with Wayne Gallman, that's kind of my kind of my take on him. Five targets, sixteen touches for eighty-two yards, only forty percent of the snaps, which is a little bit concerning to me. Yeah, but there's a lot of these guys getting a lot of touches that are getting sub fifty percent snap. It was his first game. Right. I've just said all along, I think the main thing with Gallman is that I like the fit in the offense and the scheme. I think it's the right fit, and that's pretty important. And then to your point, yeah, they're gonna have, I, I don't see any other option but them to lean on Wayne Gallman. It's the, you don't love the matchup this week at Denver. No, you don't really no, like don't it like for that. anybody on that team. Um, but you know, Gallman, you know, Gallman, if he can show something and can stay healthy, he's got a shot here to have a big role for a while. So Mar- Marlon Mack looked like he was shot out of a damn cannon versus San Francisco. I mean, uh, he missed the previous two games with a shoulder injury. Only got nine touches, and I think it was nine touches. Let me look at the snap counts, targets, and touches tool up for our pro members at rosterwatch.com. I think it was something like eight, nine touches for 80-something yards. Uh, every time he came in, it seemed like uh, he was doing something doing something big and really yeah no 10 he had one so he had nine carries and one target for an additional catch 93 yards and a touchdown on only 22 percent of snaps at some point man frank gore is washed and he's done right yeah i mean i just can't believe he keeps going this long man i wish that we wanted this thing to be over four years ago I'm tired Marlon, of dealing with it in fantasy. Marlon Mack needs to be taking over a snap count that's about like Frank Gore's at fifty-one percent, and having Frank Gore and Robert Turbin take on much smaller snap counts than they're you know, Robert Turbin's in there for th- for thirty percent of plays. I, I just think that look, Marlon Marlon Mack is the future runner in in Indianapolis. I think if you're a dynasty owner, of the guy, you know, you couldn't be happier. I think if you I think if you're in a keeper league. I th- I 
I honestly think that maybe Marlon Mack could be as valuable a pickup this week. If you're allowed to keep guys you pick up off your waiver wire, uh, he could be as valuable a pick this week as any or as, 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 as any running back on the whole entire sheet as far as from a long-term perspective for not only uh, 2017 but also projecting forward to 2018. I couldn't agree more. You think the trash man's been uh, already been pouring over uh, the week five snap counts for fantasy? <laughs> Maybe because he has to write the uh, he has to write the fantasy fallout, and I I think he uses that for uh, <laughs> for for some of his takeaways. I think I'd like to think he does. The waiver wire cheat sheet beat the fallout this week. It looks like it did. What a shame. <laughs> you could call it that. I call it a sham that the the that the trash man gets gets paid money by the by the uh, the hard earned money of roster watch nation to do such a shitty job with getting his work in on time. All right, so do do any other running backs you want to touch on, or what do you want to do? You want to talk about any of these wide receivers or anything, or what do you want to do? I think Roger Lewis is an interesting one that you brought up because that's a guy that we tracked and charted pretty damn well at the combine. I have to go back and look. I want to say it was a couple years ago. Uh, he scored high on our combine performance scorecard. I remember that. I yep. think he was considered a little bit of a character dirt ball coming He's in there. Bowling Green, right? And he had the character flaw. He had the character yeah, issues. Yeah, but I'll tell you. I mean, this is a guy that's always been on my kind of my trash man dynasty radar. And the few, the thing was, he just kind of got buried on the depth chart in New York, so he wasn't going to have any opportunities anytime soon. So that kind of had him it's his no dynasty stock case, fading into the darkness. Yeah, and then it's no longer the case. So he got the touchdown last week. I don't know who the hell knows what's going to happen, but he's going to have a bunch of opportunities here. And Roger Lewis was a pretty decent prospect. He can get down the field. So. I think he's one of the more interesting guys to look at, you know, for the week. And then I went back and looked. Uh, they didn't get any snap counts this last week, but a couple other youngsters that didn't make the waiver wire cheat sheet this week just because they didn't even get any snaps. But I'm, I'll am i be monitoring as the season goes on are uh, Travis Rudolph and Rudolph, Tavares, right. King, Tavares yeah. King. Tavares King is a former player the trash man liked a lot when he scouted him. Alex actually kind of liked Travis Rudolph, if my memory serves me properly. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I, he was one of the first guys that I did work on, I think, for the 2017 draft class. And I did like him a lot whenever I watched him. But I think he's one of those guys that through the process, you know, there were just other guys that I fell a lot more in, in, in love with. To where, you know, he didn't end up in my top ten. But, you know, he was a guy that certainly has some he's, – he's a guy that certainly has some traits and a lot – like he's got a hive – in the in the draft Twitter community, if if Travis Rudolph comes in and starts going big, there will be a lot of chirping from a lot of different analysts. Yeah, so we'll be keeping an eye on them too, seeing if they start making the sheet maybe next week. And any any of these other wide receivers you want to talk about? I mean, we've we've talked a lot about Nelson Aguilar and Cooper Cup on this. Uh, well, look who's right. Look who's right below. Look who's right between those two guys on this week's waiver wire. Well, that's cheat a guy, sheet. and and that's a guy, Ricardo Lewis, who who I always kind of put in the same bag as a as a Roger Lewis. He's a he's another guy that we have. Well, if you ran, look at the randomly sheet that, good marks on through through his draft. If process. you look at this sheet, they're they're in the same bag, and yeah. yeah, man, I've I've always had a sneaky eye on. Ricardo Lewis, we liked him at the combine. Same thing. I did the write up on him that year. He's he's a he's a raw but potential beast. 
you know, again, there's nothing set in stone when it comes to Ricardo Lewis, who's only 1% owned for the Cleveland Browns. See, that's the cool thing. When you come to rosterwatch.com and when you see the work that we've put in year round, that's what results in these takes that are so much different than everybody else's. There is literally nowhere else in the world where you would go and look for waiver wire pickups this week where they would be telling you in the top 10 pickups of the week, you should be mulling over Ricardo Lewis of the Cleveland Browns, who's only 1% owned. We've scouted these guys. We know the rosters. We monitor the snap counts. Dude, that, that team sucks at wide receiver. Lewis is is making something out of the opportunities he's getting. His snap counts are trending up. The targets are solid. And what we know is that physically he's a beast. So, again, nothing set in stone with Ricardo Lewis. Eight, eight but targets, 76% of snaps. Yeah, definitely, I mean, definitely worth everybody taking a look at a long long look at it's a it's a phys, it's, it's he's a he's a physical specimen that's that's getting you know this tr- if he keeps trending this way he's going to be a double digit target guy soon you know Hell, you i might at, have to pick him up this week and play him you, with aj green on a bye if you look at the if you look at the uh i mean nine targets in week four on 86 percent of snaps so it's like it's not like these these it's been you know these these last couple of weeks, it's been you know something where, yeah, I mean six targets in week three. I just I think he's you know he probably he's heck he's a guy who he's a guy who probably should have been a little bit higher up on my radar a little bit earlier on. But with that Cleveland Browns team being so bad, the quarterback position being in flux, you know it's just uh, look. But we'll take volume any way that any, any any way that we can get it. And it seems like. Kevin Hogan, one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen at the <laughs> seen at the Senior Bowl, one of, with one of the weakest arms. It seems like he kind of likes him. We know from those previous weeks that you know Deshaun Kaiser at least liked him a little bit with the nine targets there in in Week Four. Uh, anybody Let's, else you wanted to get to on here? Yeah, I got a few now. Let's talk about some of our favorite young guys for a second. Um, man, I went back and watched the Dachshund drop on Monday Night Football. And you know that he caught that ball. It didn't come out until he landed on the yeah. ground. I mean, he should have kept it, but it, was, it wasn't a bad drop. I mean, it was – he fell from pretty high and landed on that thing. So I, I don't want to be an apologist for him, but I'm keeping him on here at least as somebody to be monitoring because it feels like his role is growing. And coming off the bye, this could be a time that he gets a little boost – and um, I mean, look, it's it's a it's a Walmart week on the waiver wire, but it's a deep week. We go seventy five prospects deep here, and Doxon just I think has some upside, so we want to continue to monitor him. You know, just just keep an eye on him. Uh, same with Mike Williams of the Los Angeles Chargers, who is our, I believe it's already been announced will make his introduction to the NFL regular season this week. I mean Tyrell Williams with one silly tar. Byron is Byron is not going to let you forget about this. I'll never. He's let not going to let you forget about it. <laughs> Tyrell Williams one target last week, predictable. Travis Benjamin nothing. We're telling you they don't have another guy like this on the roster. They don't. And so I mean Mike Williams is a bailout guy for Philip Rivers. He needs him. So you know we'll see. I don't know if it's going to pan out or not, but. We've been we've had him on here I think since week one of the season, week two on the waiver wire cheat sheet, and he slowly moved up. We've kept him in your mind. We've kept him in front of you. Never forget it. So you know Mike Williams is a good player with a good quarterback on an offense who needs him, and he's about to start playing. So Mike Williams, we want to keep an eye on. 
said it earlier, I've I've had Juju Smith-Schuster on the waiver wire cheat sheet for a while now. I'm surprised he's still only 5% owned. That offense is definitely trending towards him being an important piece, and he's a good player. I'm not sure it's anything you can rely on. I think he's probably a low-end flex or like a wide receiver four or five. But he's playing, he's getting, he's he's doing something right now. And a lot of people, look, we play in deep competitive leagues and a lot of guys are owned in those leagues. You got to, you got to shuffle through some of the lower percentage guys like Smith Schuster. Um, he continues to be worth a look. I think it's a little bit worrisome for Martavis Bryant owners uh, that it feels like the offense is shifting a little more intermediate than deep. And then, you know, a couple of guys going to buy. They haven't done shit this year. But in deep leagues, two rookies that we like, Zay Jones and John Ross, going into their bye weeks. I mean, the cupboard is completely barren in Buffalo. Jones is getting the targets. He's getting the snaps. I don't know if he can come to life as a rookie. People say he sucks, but but we're telling you, we've done the work on him. He's super talented. Whether he can put it all together this season – I don't know, but at some point it's going to come together for Zay Jones, and boy, is he going to have the opportunity for it to come together. Yeah, coming I mean, off the bye, gonna, that's the yeah. that's the reason. And look, we're he's at the bottom of the sheet. We're not recommending you spend even the trash man's last wooden nickel on him, but those guys, you <laughs> can get them for free probably on Wednesday, and if you got an open spot or some other piece of garbage you just want to recycle that you're sick of, that's a decent stash, and the same goes for John Ross. The Bengals' offense has been trending positively. They're coming out of the bye. He's getting close to returning. Tyler Boyd, I think, has had – he's got some kind of – he's got some – there's something brewing with Tyler Boyd. I don't what's – what, what's the word I'm looking for? Something ominous. Yeah, something ominous. <laughs> so, it John – dude, man. and the Tyler, Bengals need him, John. Tyler Boyd was our number one route runner from that from, – from, from his combine. He had John, an unbelievable on-field session. Just not enough explosive athleticism. He he doesn't yeah. fall into that Venn diagram that's kind of like Odell Beckham meets Cooper Cup. That's that's right. where, that's where we really, really where we want to be in the world of wide receivers. Um, but yeah, John Ross is too sick. He was a first-round draft pick. If he gets healthy, that offense needs him. Their their second wide receiver situation sucks. You saw the few minutes that he did get in the one game. They had a bunch of manufactured touches for him. So, you know, John Ross needs to continue to be on our radar. And then of the wide receivers, maybe last but not least, this is a deep, deep low-end play. I kind of like having him on here and just like mentioning it is that, uh, you know, we're seeing an uptick in Bruce Ellington in Houston. And I just think Deshaun Watson's bringing some life. He's breathing life into everybody and making everybody at least a little bit relevant and Bruce Ellington, um, a guy we've always said is kind of a running back body at the wide receiver position. And he's a good player. He's a good player. And so anyways, in deep, deep formats, it's interesting to see Ellington, who's who has sent, predictably sent Braxton Miller to healthy scratch status. Braxton Miller, I mean, that thing was never going to work out. That was a horrible pick. By Rick Smith, we said Hor- it at the time. Horrible evaluation by the yeah. by the trash man. He was a d- Tyler Irvin, yeah, complete garbage too. So what I'm saying is that Bruce Ellington is pretty much catapulting to. He's trending towards wide receiver three in a Deshaun Watson offense. I don't hate it. I don't. I don't hate it in dynasty. 
uh, especially. And you shouldn't have to. I mean, Bruce Ellington's owned in 1% of leagues. He's widely, widely available. Uh, maybe maybe uh, I got maybe one one or two tight ends and one quarterback, and then we can wrap this thing up. Alex, you got anything else? Yeah, just let me uh, let me transition us to tight ends and just kind of coming off of that Zay Jones reference about how there's nobody else there with Charles Clay going down, and I haven't seen what his with the. Do we know what the exact nature of that injury is yet? Bad. Like how 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 long Charles Clay is going to be out? Like I haven't seen. I've been. I've Pretty been, sure the uh, nature of it was bad. I mean, it seemed it seemed bad. It seemed like he's going to be out for an extended period of time. Let me just let me just Google him real quick and see if there's anything new that's come out. Uh, this morning or early this afternoon, uh, he's he's having he, oh he's having he's having it scoped. So that 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 came out an hour ago. He's going to miss multiple weeks. Um, there's also Jordan Matthews who is also out right now. To me, Nick O'Leary. Um, you look at the targets, and I I noticed he was on the cheat sheet. I was so glad you put him on because. He, he wasn't a guy who I called you to suggest or anything like that, but certainly, I mean, 84% of snaps last week, um, got six targets, uh, five receptions for 54 yards. What we know about Nick O'Leary from, from Florida State is that he's, a, he's an absolute beast and a, and a, and a monster. Um, this is an offense that, you know, barring a, barring a Zay Jones turnaround, um, doesn't have anything at the wide receiver position and goes completely through the tight end and through LaShawn McCoy. We saw even after Charles Clay went down that Nick O'Leary basically just stepped into that role, soaking up all those Charles Clay targets. He's going to be a guy that nobody's going to pick up this week because Buffalo's on bye. And you might, you might be able to get away with not picking, up, pick, picking him up this week either. But if you're in dire straits at the tight end position, I think that you don't got to put in a you don't have to put in a waiver claim for Nick O'Leary in, unless you're in the deepest of leagues. But I think after waivers clear, he, he he's, he's an interesting guy to pick up and stash for week seven because I think Charles Clay is still going to be out at that point in time. Uh, I don't know what Buffalo's week seven matchup is, but I do feel like at that point in time, uh, the Buffalo Bills. I mean, it's just like you can write in you know five to ten targets at the tight end position, and those are all going to go to Nick O'Leary, who is a very athletic player. Yeah, it's nice when the managing editor of the company uh, quietly notices that you put in more work than the trash man into what you do. <laughs> and then I I do go learn my snap counts every single week of the season. Mm-hmm. Nick O'Leary, an in, definitely, definitely an interesting flyer. I'll tell you what, we've got some interesting news coming in here, Alex. When we get off this podcast, we might have to look at least discuss an upward adjustment for Adrian Peterson as it's coming in that Chris Johnson has been released by the Cardinals. No, no, yeah. I mean, I, I, every bit of information that I've that I've given you is with the knowledge that Chris Johnson has been released. Yeah, that's what I and it's it's what I talked about earlier. It's what when I talked about with Adrian Peterson being there. It's not like you said something about it. We'll see if he goes in there and separates. I said there's nobody to separate from. All it is is Kerwin Williams now and and Elijah Penny with the loss of of, of Chris Johnson. So. I think that it's it's only a matter of how soon does he get adapted and what percentage of you know the the Adrian Peterson of old is he though you know those are the first two things you ask and then you ask okay there's levels to this you ask is the Bruce Arians Arizona Cardinals offense completely broken and off track from its original goals to be able to run the football with a David Johnson can it get back to that or is it going to stay in this pass happy mess 
And if it do, in the worst case scenario, if it stays in this pass happy mess, does Adrian Peterson get involved in the receiving game and maybe bite off some of those targets from an Andre Ellington that's been acting as a pseudo extension of the run there at the at the running back position, catching balls out of the backfield? And so I just, I, I still think that a lot of the questions. Uh, st- a lot of questions still remain, but yeah, I didn't see Chris Johnson being one of them. Well, I'll tell you, based on the market conditions of the waiver wire this week, I'd already erred on the side of being pretty aggressive with Adrian Peterson on this week's sheet. I think you did too. So this, yeah. I, I think we have it just right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, a couple of tight ends. Uh, we've had Njoku on here for most of the weeks this season. He's just a beast. He's an absolute rookie beast. I don't know how any I don't know how reliable anything is in Cleveland, but he looks great. He's still only 7% owned and he's been putting up very respectable numbers the last month of the season if you're in need of a, a tight end. Um you can see where he's at on the week 6 waiver wire cheat sheet available at rosterwatch.com and then a couple of other ones here we had well this brings up Bringing up Ed Dixon brings up two topics because bringing up Ed Dixon brings up Kobe <laughs> Fleener. So Ed Dixon with the monster from Cam Newton. I'm, it's hard to know exactly what to make of that. I certainly think he's in play this week if you need a tight end. And with buys coming up, I don't, the Panthers don't have a buy until I want to say week 11. It's either week 9 or week 11. I think it's week 11. And then that raises the question that was against the – Lions. I mean, uh, yeah, yes. that was against the Lions. Tight, in, tight ends and slot guys against the Lions, man. And now you get it's, Kobe Fleener yeah. at home. And Sneed, maybe, if he's against not the healthy Lions. scratch. Yeah. So Fleener, I believe, just a little bit disappointing here this last performance, but it, decent on the season, maybe better than expected. Somebody that's going to be worth uh, a, a long look. And then, um, man, one of our favorite guys, one of our favorite rookies from this year's draft is 49ers tied in George Kittle. What a breakout performance he had. Did you see him, Alex? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was I was watching that game closely, man. I was a I I had a I had I had like 50 DFS tournament stacks of Jacoby Brissett and TY Hilton. So I watched a ton of that one. Um and Kittle honestly he should have been somebody who I thought about. I saw that the you saw that um uh Cal, the 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 CEO over at um Roto Grinders won the won the Millionaire Maker this weekend. Did you see that or hear about it? I missed that. Yeah, he won the Millionaire Maker using Kittle. <laughs> he was using Kittle, so uh, yeah, awesome, aw- awesome play by him. But yeah, I think dude, Kittle Kittle's been getting the getting the snap counts and, and getting the usage in that offense. Like he's the guy, and he's another guy. We talk about these spark freaks. Well, he's one that's actually a good football player, unlike a Jarek McKinnon or or Kristen Michael. Yeah, no, I I love to see it, man. Love to see it. And then you brought it up, man. We talked about it a lot on the Saturday night show last week. I said that one of the things I was just most excited, most fascinated with last week was the Jacoby Brissett, T.Y. Hilton stack. And I just think Joe, Jacoby Brissett is awesome. And in a thin week on the waiver wire at quarterback, there's a couple other sneaky options over here, but I had to put Jacoby Brissett right at the top. I think that's looking like a great trade. By um, who's the who's the GM there that I can't think of out of out of uh, Chris Chris Ballard out of Texas City Texas City out yeah. of Deontay Foreman's home hometown right yeah um 
That was a good trade, man. That was, and the Patriots developed him, and you know, remember the nobody knew what the Patriots doing. The Patriots knew he was good. The Colts, you know, pro scouting department knew he was good. They had to trade Philip Dorsett, a former first round pick, for him. I think it was a good trade, man. Anyways, Brissett this week against Tennessee. I'm always a little weary of these division games, but in a thin week, I think he's an exciting quarterback option. Are they right at now. Tennessee or are they at home? I believe it's at Tennessee. We'll have to just, double check. Yeah, let me look and let me look and see. I think I, I think I have DraftKings pulled up so I can see if there's pri- no. I don't. Oh, let's see. Tennessee Titans. I'm just gonna check out the Titans schedule just so we can know Titans schedule. Because if that's it, I'd be a little bit more interested if they were at home. But it looks like yeah, no, it looks like that's at Tennessee. So oh, and it's a and it's a Monday night game, so it it won't be a main slate game that we'll be uh, looking too much at unless we decide to make the DFS tools this week to include that game, which is something we could certainly consider. Yeah, and then Josh McCown uh, against I believe it's at home against the Patriots. That's going to be an interesting option after a decent uh, performance this uh, last week. A uh, couple of things, Alex. Um, maybe housekeeping on my end before tomorrow's trade cast. We'll be talking a lot of trade strategy tomorrow. Um, there's tons of trades flying back and forth amongst uh, the pro subscribers at Roster Watch Nation in the comments section on the website and on Twitter at Roster Watch. We'll get into general t- trade strategy for week six. We'll talk about some of the trades that we've seen going down and uh, some of the trades that you might be able to make. This is going to be a very, very important addition of the weekly trade cast at rosterwatch.com. And it, it reminds me, you know, what I'd like to actually do is I wish somebody from the Rosterwatch listener leagues, whether it be Eagles fan or Sully from Houston or what is it, Gutsman Gregory, if you could email us rosterwatch at gmail with a link to those leagues, because I'd kind of like to look over those standings, look over those rosters. Talk about oh, the, yeah, dude. That'll be great. I'd like to talk about the landscape of both of those leagues in tomorrow's trade cast and maybe even drop a little knowledge on some potential trades that I see that could be brewing in both of those leagues. I think that'd be fun to do with Roster Watch Nation. Oh, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So, yeah, the, the, a little plug for the trade cast. If you're subscribed to this podcast feed, you will get it tomorrow. Um, uh, popping up there and. Uh, you get to hear all of Byron's takes about different trades. He's a he's a Greek man. He is a pricing king. He is a swindler. He is never a swindlee. Byron, do you do you have any other thoughts on this one before we get down the road? No, nah, man. It's time to get on. Time to get on down the road. All right. I think this is episode what? Did we say it's episode 46 of the podcast? I think it's 46 or 47. I think it might be episode oh, 47. You know what, Alex? Um, Actually, you know what? We do owe Roster Watch Nation something. We owe Roster Watch Nation some pro subscriptions. Okay. Because we promised them the last few weeks that if if the stellar reviews kept pouring in on iTunes for the this maniacal podcast that um, we would give some of the best reviews, uh, we'd give those users um, a free month of a pro subscription at rosterwatch.com. And so I'll tell you what, this is a good time to do it because it looks like we have just broken 200 five-star reviews. We are now at 201 reviews on iTunes. Um, 
If you haven't, Fantastic. If you haven't left, let's we, get it up to we, 300. And we love compliments at Roster Watch. If you, yes. want, if you want more help, if you want us to do more, just give Compliment pay us some us. compliments. Yes. Those are, cheaper than, <laughs> those are cheaper than a cheap cup of coffee. They're yeah. free. So free mm-hmm. that the trash man might Can even consider. afford them. Yeah, he might. He would be able to afford it. So, anyways, let's see. I got to. We want to give a thanks to Acorns, Bird Kid, LPO37, and Papa Hoops One. You guys put us over the 200 review uh, threshold. And um, let's give away a few. Uh, free subscriptions now. So it's the sick, maniacal Radio Gold by Lake Show 717. It's a five-star review. He gets a free pro subscription, a free month of Roster Watch Pro at rosterwatch.com because this is his second five-star review he's weaseled in here and left. Oh, good for him. See, that's the attitude that we love. Had to get back in and drop a, fi- a manual five-star review just because I love these guys. Roster Watch is the only pod fantasy football expert crew you ever need this and every season. Subscription is cheaper than a cup of coffee and will yield huge results during the draft and in season. That, that'll tell you who's who and what's what. You have the players that pop before they're impossible to get off the waiver wire. Take advantage. Roster Watch Nation for life. And then he copy and pasted his previous five-star <laughs> comment in below that. Way to go. Rob from a rich in Baltimore. Okay, let's see here. Forty-five ACP, dude. You're just you're just tossing these out today. I figured a swindler like you would be a little would be a little more stingy with no, these results. No, no, man. It's just a hey, rich from Baltimore got the first one. The first, yep. I was just giving shout outs. Rich from Baltimore got <laughs> okay. Those the, the first shout-outs. ones were shout outs for taking us over two hundred. I'm giving you the best <laughs> okay. ones, right? Right. All right, so 45 ACP, uh, five-star review. I'm an avid fantasy football player and DFS player. I have had subscriptions on just about every site you can think of. I can honestly say that these guys are on the top of the list. You need to hear what they have to say as they put their own twist on the analytics. Their advice is accurate and concise. The best part about them is they don't rattle off 50 names or players to consider. They narrow it down and make the process Easy five star review from forty five ACP. Accurate, informative. Stop searching, searching. Just listen. So, one more here before we got to go, guys. Let's see who's it down to. It's down to D Rock in North Carolina and King Marker. Let's just see here. Oh God, these are both good. All right, let's go with it, King Marker. I love listening to these guys. They do their homework and are always one step ahead when it comes up to. Come upcoming prospects, prospects and star players. I've been a maniacal listener and subscriber for a few years, and I hope it continues. The magical, mystical, the mythical cheat sheet has worked wonders <laughs> for me throughout the years. These guys aren't your average cockamamie radio hosts. They bring radio gold to the airwaves each and every time. So if you're listening, we hope you are. King Marker, 45 ACP. And Rich in Baltimore, Lake Show 717, please email us, rosterwatch at gmail.com, and provide us the email address that is associated with your pro account. I will personally go in there, get you all hooked up uh, with the free month of Roster Watch Pro. And uh, we can't thank you guys enough for all of your uh, loyal support. Our gratitude is infinite.
all of our love to Roster Watch Nation, man. We can't uh, tell you guys uh, how, how, how much we love you guys and how much we appreciate having such a cool community of you guys who we consider friends, guys and gals that we consider friends. And, uh, you know, we're just happy that um, we're able to provide this insight to you in a way that we would want to pr- 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 provide it to us. So that will bring an end to episode 45, 46 of the Roster Watch uh, podcast. Make sure and stay tuned. Make sure you're subscribed uh, for the Tradecast with Byron Lambert coming out tomorrow for a, a big week of trades uh, for Byron Lambert, for the Trash Man, uh, for the creepy little robot genius, and for all of Roster Watch Nation. My name is Alex Dunlap. This has been the Roster Watch podcast. We will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>